residing deep within Happy Valley in central Pennsylvania. Here is your host, Michael Lanik. Right, so we're back here for yet another episode of the Hungry for Hannibal podcast, and we're doing the recap for episode two, Primavera. So last week I had Sarah Rose on. She did a fantastic job with me. It was great to have someone to bounce ideas off of, and she's back this week. But that's not the only person. We have Travis Shefflin from Riverside, California. If you know Travis from the uh, Dissecting the Extra podcast, it's fantastic. He was on there a lot. We both were, and so he's here. Hi, Travis. How are you doing? What's up? It's good to be. It's good to be back. All right. And Sarah, of course, you're hey. back again, and uh, it's like like one big happy family. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> All right. So um, this episode was um, it was I was really looking forward to this episode. It was something that. I felt like last week was great because we really got to to really focus in on Hannibal and Bedelia. Uh, in this week, we get to find out the fate of of Will, which of course is you know you could argue is the main character, or the co lead of the show. So so we open up the episode, and what's the first thing we see? We don't see we don't see Will sitting forlornly staring out uh, a window you know, tearing up or something. No, we see, initially, the final scene from last year in the finale. And we see, you know, Will getting getting gutted by Hannibal. We see um, Abigail, you know, uh, a helpless victim, unable to, you know, deny Hannibal anything. And what was it like to start out the episode? Did you, did you like that we got to see a, a recap of... The, what really went down there? Yes, I did. Uh, because, I, I mean, not that I needed a reminder, I suppose, but it um, it was interesting to see, like, the blood. I, I'm thinking about, like, the, all the blood that came out of Abigail, because then just a few minutes later when they were like, oh, Abigail's alive, like, that made me be like, what, after all that blood loss, huh? <laughs> um. So I mean, it, it, they pro- that whole the Abigail being alive thing, I would have maybe swallowed easier if I hadn't been reminded of uh, that because that was I don't believe any of that was reshot footage, correct? I think that was all just reused footage. Yeah, that was all reused. Yeah. Yeah, because I know there's another flashback later on that they you know reshot a little bit of you know later later when mm-hmm. Will's thinking about the Mind Palace stuff. Well, the only thing that I think that was added to that was uh, right at the very end of that that flashback we had. We had Will laying on the ground, blood smeared on his face, mm-hmm. and we saw the dying stag. And then everybody, you know, the, the, the bloody, the blood just gushing out, and kind of him drowning in the in the blood. I think that was new. I don't. I'm almost positive yeah. that wasn't from last year. So that there was that was the only new footage I think. But um, so Sarah, what did you think? Did you like the the uh, recap there? Yeah, I like that they had it in. Um, the thing about the stag, I really like that they added in the blood pouring out of it it made me feel like the um the shining scene where the elevator doors open and the blood pours out mm. and as we know brian fuller likes to throw pieces of the shining into here so i thought that was a nice touch yeah 
I liked it. I, I, I think that we needed to see again exactly what Will went through um, physically and emotionally, um, what he lost, really. It was important to see all of that before we found out what his fate was. I mean, obviously, you know, we anybody that's watched the show knows he probably was alive, but I think we needed to see just how bad things really were you know, for him in that moment. And I think it was it was an important thing for the viewers because, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, it's been a it's been a while since that, that episode aired and if if you're someone that's just kind of went in cold turkey into the season like a lot of people are, it's not like a lot of people are just sitting around like researching Hannibal, you know, looking stuff mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. It was a way of, of like, oh wow, that really was badass, you know, what <laughs> happened, you know. So, um, yeah, I thought it was great. So from there, we, uh, yeah, we find out that, that Will's alive, he's laying in bed, he's in the hospital, and as Travis mentioned, in walks Abigail, and you're like, I'm like, whoa, she's alive. She just oh. refuses to die. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, some, that's some serious willpower, you know? Willpower? Uh, well, okay. I mean, superhuman capabilities, okay. <laughs> Well, technically, it was willpower yeah, this exactly. episode. Yes, well, yes, it's so true. You're right. You're right. Um, it was it was a shock for me. I mean, I saw some I saw some things. I think in our in our season preview podcast, I did mention, I believe, the possibility that it was all in Will's head. Yeah. I I I, I tossed it out there because I thought if she's dead. There's only one. There's only one thing, and that's the fact that it's in his head. But I, I, I was a fifty-fifty shot for me. So, but she's alive, and they have this conversation about about Hannibal and her need to go see him, and that despite everything he's done, she still wanted to to go to him. Uh, you know, is that? I mean, is it? We, I mean, later on we'll see, we'll, we'll understand exactly what she is and what it really means in regards to Will. But when you heard her say that as a character, what did you think that she would say that? Why? And you mean, I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, like in terms of like her actually wanting to go to Hannibal despite the fact that you know she's alive and she's willing to go to him despite the fact he just slit her throat eight months or a few months. Or no, I guess it would be in that moment it was like a, yeah. what, a few weeks, a few days. I mean, Probably. I mean, were you thinking like you're crazy, you're nuts, you need some serious help more than you needed before? He cut off your ear, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this girl's obviously, Hannibal's got her in his thrall or whatever. You know, I figured, yeah, I bought it. Like, okay, yeah, this girl's obviously crazy. Um her dad was a, some sort of killer. She's been living, like, hidden with the killer. I mean, this girl doesn't know what's appropriate and what's not. So I figured, like, yeah, whatever. And, you know, Will, he's unstable enough. He'll do it, too. Like, fuck it. Road trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking of road trip, uh, it's Will's laying there in the hospital bed, you know, after this conversation. He's laying there, and, you know, Will uses his own kind of mind palace, and he goes back and he thinks and he remembers this conversation that he and Hannibal had when they were burning stuff from his office, and they're talking about uh, Palermo, Sicily, and and that's like the the ta-da moment, you know, mm-hmm. in in his mind, 
that that's where Hannibal's at. That's where I need to go. If, if he's anywhere, it's there. Yeah. And and so then after that, we jump ahead eight months, and boom, we're in this chapel, Norman Chapel, and in walks Hannibal and Abigail. Well, Abigail. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, but they, they walk in, and you know, Will's got his glasses on, and I uh, haven't seen that for a while. Um, and, but they have this conversation. You know, as they walk in, they're kind of, you know, just kind of milling about, and they have this conversation about about Hannibal and, and, and God, and God would like to see nothing or nothing more than, or no, Hannibal would like to see nothing more than to just everything crash down on a, on a, uh, a church full of people. And, yeah. you know, that was an interesting conversation. What did you guys think of that? It was a, it was an odd, kind of an odd conversation, but yet at the same time, I felt it was kind of something that they would have, like that conversation that those two would have together. Yeah, it had some of my favorite lines in that um, episode or that scene from this episode. Um, the line where it says, "God cannot save us because it's unelegant. Elegance is more important than suffering. That's his design." And Abigail says, "Are you talking about God or Hannibal?" <laughs> Which is just exactly destructive. Yeah, they have some really good conversations um, in this episode, which we'll get to a little later. Um, in more detail, but I, I, I found it interesting that those two, you know, they're, they're kind of just, you know, walking around and, and everybody else is doing their thing and, and they're praying and, and conversing and yet they're having this conversation which most people wouldn't have in a church, which I found to be uh, interesting, uh, but also fitting, I guess, Yeah. you know? And um, there's a moment where that priest gives them that look. And I was lured in because the priest looks directly at Abigail. And I'm like, okay, he's probably looking at them like, why is this older guy in here with this young girl? I was drawn in. (laughs) I had believing Abigail was alive. I actually, I have a little bit of a thought on that, but I'll get to that a little later. Um, Yeah, that's something that I want to bring up because I've got an interesting thought to that, but um, all right, so you know they have this conversation, and then we kind of jump to the scene where Hannibal leaves the heart, and we see it in the church, and that's you know the next scene after that, which we get to is we meet Ronaldo Pazzi, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought you know great casting, uh, played by Fortunato Salerno. And I thought the guy they cast for him was just fantastic. I thought it was an excellent casting choice. Did a really yep. good job in this episode. And but they have this Will and him like in the books they have this this immediate connection. Uh, they're two people who are both hunting for Hannibal, but they're hunting for him in, for completely different reasons. So, I guess the question is, what did you think about Posse? as an is character and the fact that he's been hunting basically Lecter or as he calls him the monster of Florence for like 20, 20 years. I really like that the show is um, incorporating things. I don't know. They're like definitely playing with like the, the canon that's been established from the films. You know, that's really all I'm familiar with in terms of like, um, 
when we when in the films when we're introduced to this character, Hannibal's already locked up. Sorry, guys, spoilers um, for the Hannibal films. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's uh, Hannibal's been locked up and stuff, so it's cool seeing that. And then I know, did you guys talk about uh, on the like preview podcast about casting and stuff for this upcoming season? Characters that'll be coming in from like the past and whatnot. We did talk, yeah, about some of the characters that were going to be. I think we did mention Posse, and we talked about some other ones that will be coming in at some point here soon. Well, well, I just know that like this Posse character is from like the Hannibal book or the Hannibal yeah, the film, but the book essentially. But then they're also, I know they're incorporating things from Red Dragon, which is like before Science of the Lambs and whatnot. Um, so I mean. It's really, and but or yeah, still from from before that, and even then, that's another one where Hannibal's already locked up. Um, so I think it's a uh, really interesting. Like I like they're they're pulling like their own version of what Walking Dead or even Game of Thrones does, like taking what you think you already know and kind of fucking around with that a little bit. Well, I think this this show has always done a really good job of basically taking the material, and making it their own, and they've done mm-hmm. that by. By starting so far in the past where there's so much gray area, you know, when they first started the series, this is all pretty much their own creation. There's very little information that we had on anything uh, prior, to, prior to a certain point uh, in Hannibal, uh, Hannibal's life. And when we, you can go through a lot of the novels and you can get some tib- uh, tidbits and pieces, but they kind of had all this room to play and do what they wanted to do for the most part. But then, you know, they're also, like you said, they're pulling material from various places and they're making it their own and they make no apologies for it. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it whatsoever. And Sarah, you've never had a problem with that, right? No, I'm totally on board with that. <laughs> yeah, I think the problem for a lot of shows is when you kind of go halfway, one or the other. You can't do it. You either got to just say, you know what, I'm going to take all this material, and we're going to mix it around, and we're going to just throw it on a wall, and we're going to see what works. And I think that's what they've done, and they've, they've been able to take the strong aspects and really hone them and do a, a fantastic job, and I think that's what they're doing here. They're staying true to some of the storylines, but they're not staying so true that it doesn't give them the ability to tell their own version of the story that they want to tell. And I think that's that's a testament to the writers, and I think they've done so a really good job so far. So yeah, um, yeah. So after that, they they you know they talk Will and uh, and Posse. They talk about you know the monster Florence. Uh, he kind of gives the whole backstory of you know back then you know Lecter. He would go in and, and he would be sitting there you know recreating um, uh, what. Botticelli. Yes. Uh, this painting would sit there day after day drawing, you know, over and over and over again. And it's really, you know, the budding of of Hannibal Lecter, uh, the killer. And, of course, he ends up, you know, killing a couple and staging this very beautiful um, recreation of Botticelli's painting. And, you know, this guy's been chasing Lecter for, for so many years. Um, but he, he, you know, he says, you know, to Will, we ha- we have the same gift of imagination. And what did you what did you take from that, Sarah? I mean, did you did that line did that do anything for you in comparison to the books? It surprised me because it's um, changed from the books. He was 
he leans more towards Will's character than he does to the character in the book. And I kind of like that they're going with that. Um, I'm not sure what his fate's going to be. He's way too close and wants to be, like, on where Will is, but he's treading too close, (laughs) I think, you know. I think that Posse, I think, no, I think he's, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, but I like not, that they, yeah. I like that they threw it in that he had that same thing with Will, because Hannibal maybe toyed with him in his past as well. That maybe Hannibal in his life has had a string of a couple rare people in his life that he toys around with. Yeah, I like that they're, I, I like they're very direct uh, with each other. They don't, they're not hiding anything when they talk to one another as characters. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, just to give you a little of a side here, if there's one thing that, that um, my wife finds irritating with the show at times, it's sometimes the characters talk so much in riddles to one another. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes she's like, why can't you just speak <laughs> plainly? At t-? And, I, and I agree, there are times where I'm like, okay, you can just like talk normally and be like, this is what I'm telling you, but when regards to these two characters, they just they just very honest with one another as to their intentions, um, what they've done, uh, what their plans are. That's something that I like between these two because I feel like with these two characters and what they've both been chasing, there's you don't need mind games. You don't need they don't need to play games with one another. It yeah, they have enough of that. <laughs> Yeah, they've got enough dealing with Hannibal. They don't need more. Exactly. So yeah. Um, so we we kind of move into uh, the point where Will visits the heart. He goes in there and he's standing there, and it, it's it's a grotesque, it's a grotesque scene. It, Creepiest it, fucking it was, thing. Uh, Travis, what did you think about the whole heart, man? I mean, I have to think that you had some uh, thoughts. Well. Some, you know, I don't think I've ever spoken with you, at least not on record, about Hannibal since I began watching it I don't know, over a year ago, maybe. Give us your thoughts. Uh, but, I mean, something I will say compared to my past podcasting experience is, like, Hannibal does shit that this Dexter series would never even pretend to want to do. <laughs> like, you know, Dexter had all this shit, you know, Showtime, they could have done almost anything they'd like, I imagine. I mean, you could watch softcore pornography on Showtime. Um but I mean, they do stuff in this that I'm like, God damn! <laughs> like, it's out of control. Like I'm, there, I'm remembering like from season one, they had like the the little a- the angels or whatever, where they get their yeah. backs flayed off and it turned into angel wings, and that was like super gross. And also, I thought it was like really tasteful, like the way that you know, because they can't show nudity or anything, so they'd always stage a shot to where you couldn't see the woman's breast or anything, which you know you could put your opinions on, like. American prudeness aside, I never felt like, oh, come on, show me a booby. Like, I felt like it was always, like, very tastefully shot. Like, I never I never felt like they were going out of their way to avoid nudity, like some other shows do, like, when couples that have sex and then the woman still got a shirt on or something afterwards, like, oh, please. Like, I don't, yeah, like, come on, I don't know. Um, so all that is to say, like, yeah, it was super gross, that heart thing. Um and of course, I like, want to turn into the stag man. That was really cool. That was something out of like Silent Hill or something. It was crazy. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> yeah, it was like really cool. Um, I like seeing stuff like that. 
Um, I don't know. What does it say about me? I like seeing people get hurt. I don't know. Fictional people. <laughs> um, but I like, I, I really, I thought that was super cool. Um, now Will, you know, he has this whole, this sixth sense regarding Hannibal. He can feel what Hannibal feels or something, right? And that's what, uh, this Italian dude, Pazzi, Pazzi, Pazzi is that from like Happy Days? Pazzi? Is that the same kind of, <laughs> um, I'd be quite the same person. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, Patsy, I don't know, he says him and they have the same gift, but I mean, Will's just so much more intense than he is. I don't yeah. know, I don't feel like, like, ma, do you, you pretended, you don't have what Will's got, you know. Like, he has a retired relationship with his, Will's is active. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah, I don't know, like maybe Patsy took up a hobby or something, you know, he <laughs> mellowed out, he got laid, I don't know. He got old. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think we can all agree that Will's been through a little more than he has too. Um, as well. Scars to prove it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, even looking at Will in this episode, as to where we saw Will when we first met him in the pilot, um, it's like, man, he has gone down a seriously dark hole, and he's not coming back out. And yeah, Fosse uh, just he can't compare in his life experiences to what Will has gone through. Um, he may have some level of of, the, of gift, but it's not anything close to what to what Will can do. Yeah, um, that's just that's just a frightening gift and a, a torturous one at that. So I certainly want to put it this way: I wouldn't I wouldn't want that gift to any give it that gift to anybody. There's no <laughs> way. That'd be like that'd be like a one long torturous life. So no, yeah. never mind. Imagination's nice, but that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Abigail arrives, you know, kind of breaks Will out of his, his trance, and she sits down, and they have this con- basically almost a continuation of their conversation from the uh, hospital bedside. And, you know, again, she's reiterating how much she wants, you know, to go to Hannibal, and, and he's talking about the, the life they could have had, and the you know, he's just basically just waiting for them to show up and that they can all go off to some other place where some other world, you know, that's different and that they can all be happy and together. And it's it's at this moment when we find out that Abigail is, in fact, dead. Yeah. She has been the whole time. Um, because Will says to her that there is never any place for her. And, and she, you know, to... Neck splits open and blood gushes down and and that's it and and we that's when you realize okay he's he's been talking to to nobody he's been basically having conversations with with nothing. Get your head moment. checked again. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. and um, you know I, I guess this is a, a moment where we can kind of stop the recap and just kind of talk uh, you know live about what this really means and what you thought about this whole twist. So what did, what did Travis, what did you think about this whole thing whenever you realized that she was, in fact, dead? Uh, well, I'll tell you, I mean, I think I mentioned maybe before we were recording, I was glad that she ended up being dead because I feel like somebody's got to die. The, the excuse they gave, like, oh, Hannibal, of course he would know exactly how to cut me. Like, some shit, I'm like, oh, come on, that's some shit, I don't know. Some stuff you see in movies about, like, oh, the sniper knew where to shoot me to where he wouldn't kill me or I don't know. I, I was glad that she ended up dying. Somebody's got to die. If it's only her, we don't really know for sure about Alana and, and Jack. Um, so I was glad that she was dead. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves generally in movies and stuff 
is when a character does have hallucinations or conversations with the, you know people that they love or they miss and somehow of course big part of most of Dexter was him doing that with his father <laughs> and um I really get bugged by that because I have cuz it's just like I get jealous maybe it's like I know you know I, I I'm not the most maybe I'm not the most stable person but I'm too stable to imagine shit like that like there's people I miss I would love to have conversations with an ex-girlfriend of mine or something like that you know but I just can't do it I'm just too smart. I'm too sane. Do you understand? And so I get I get mad when movies try to do that, and I'm supposed to like sympathize with this character, like like oh, uh, it's not so bad here. It's not so bad here. But you'll you'll see things like I remember that TV show House. House would do that. House, the smartest dude you ever saw, and here he is talking to ghosts and stuff. I don't I don't know. Something about that bugs me because if this were real life, I'd be a crazy person. And now I'm supposed to be like, no, that's me. I sympathize with this character. Like, no, fuck that. This dude's a crazy person. I want to uh, be that crazy. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was that crazy. Um, I was watching some movie. I don't even remember what movie, but this character was having conversations with like his dead grandma, and it was like she was giving him really sage advice. But you know, it's all supposed, to, but it's coming from him because it was all in his head. And so it makes you wonder, like in this show, I wonder, and I know in Dexter, you had I had the wonder as well. Like when he's when Will's talking to Abigail, is he literally talking, or is this all in his head? Are people looking at him talking to nobody? Are they like, what the fuck? Or is this just in his? Is this in his head? And I know Dexter. They they went back and forth because there would be sometimes where Dexter would be talking to Harry, Ghost Harry, or something, and then maybe somebody would be like, "What?" Or like they'd make they'd make a look so you'd know. But then other times it would they'd make it clear that it was just it, the whole scenario was in Dexter's head. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that is to say, I'm glad she's dead. Someone's got to die. I mean, I don't know. Now, what is Will gonna do with with this information? I know Willie was even telling Potsy, that's how I'm going to call him, um, about how you know he doesn't even know what he's going to do when he sees Hannibal again. I'm not one of these guys that that will make jokes like, oh, he secretly lusts for him, or I'm not any sort of homosexual things. But but I'm wondering, like, yeah, what do you think is going to happen? You guys are going to be buddies? What is? What do you Brilliant. want from this dude? Yeah, he killed your girl. A girl, at least. I don't know what he thinks is going to happen. I don't know what Hannibal thinks is going to happen. I don't. I don't. I really don't even mean to think like, oh, they're going to end up fucking or something like that. I just don't know what what they're going to do. What he thinks they're going to do. It's like Batman Joker shit. Like they're just going to do this forever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're, they're intertwined. Their lives are all intertwined. Yeah, they're just like kind of flirting. Like they don't really want to catch each other or whatever, but they kind of do. That- Man, that's the worst. What do you think? What did you think, Sarah? Whenever this revelation happened, like, what was going through your mind? I kind of hope she was alive. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of like the idea of her and Will hunting Hannibal together, but I through the whole episode, like, I did have the feeling, like, I don't know if she is. I don't know if she isn't. The priest looked at her, but Ronaldo wasn't looking at her. I don't know. I'm on the fence about this. And then they say that Will says that line. Um, uh. There wasn't a place made for you. Um, it draws back to the very when they had the recap at the very beginning, where Hannibal says a place was made for Abigail in your world, not in Hannibal's, but Will's world. And since Hannibal took that away from him, he killed Abigail, not Clever. in his world anymore. I didn't even catch that. Well, okay, um, I I was a little stunned. I'll, I'll admit I. I was a little fooled. Um, I was also fooled by the whole priest thing. 
that that was exceptionally well done because it was one of those things that allowed you to really go, okay, she's really alive. And I I saw, I mean, for one on one hand, I'm glad in a way because I think I thought look, there has to be collateral damage from that incident, from that finale. Um, people have to die. Lives have to be irrevocably. Irrevocably. Thank you. They have, yeah, they have to be changed forever. And uh, there's no way everybody was going to make it out alive. Um, so I, I thought I was a little surprised when she was alive, but when she found out she was dead, I was pleased in a way. Mm-hmm. But it made me think, okay. So all the conversations, that everything she said, essentially he was saying to himself. It was his subconscious. Or he was, he was having conversations with himself. Not in like a totally crazy person way, but just more like internally. Um, and you know, in regarding that whole like priest looking at her thing, I kind of think that in a way it's a bit funny. Almost like maybe he did see her for real. Maybe she is a ghost. Maybe she's accompanying Will, and he doesn't even realize it. Or maybe it was just a funny little nod to make you possibly think either she was alive or she was a ghost. But I kind of thought that that was a nice little throw in there either way it went. But I I was a little sad though as well because for Will it was it was something he had to do. Because at this point he's he's now back he's back in well not back because he's in Italy, Hannibal's nearby, very nearby, and, really very close. Nearby. And I think this was a moment where he had to say goodbye and let her go, for good. It it was he had no choice. He he now is at the point where she was a coping mechanism. She was something that allowed him to heal enough to where he could get to Italy get to Hannibal, and now it's time to let her go because it's the only way he can move forward and regardless of how he and Hannibal reconnect if they do or whatever happens. it's It was a necessary thing. So, yeah. Yep. Um, Alright, so then we, uh, after that's all done, we have um, Posse come back, Posse, and they kind of have this continued conversation where you know, again, you know, he's talking about what it would mean to catch Hannibal, and Will is warning him that he needs to leave because if he doesn't, he's going to die. Hannibal will kill him. And he leaves. He goes away. And we jump to, to Will, you know, down in the catacombs beneath the church. You know, it's a pretty dark, creepy place. I don't personally... would I wouldn't find myself... Uh, walking those corridors in the catacombs by myself in the middle of the night. I don't know about you, Travis. Would you find yourself down there for any reason whatsoever? I won't lie to you. I totally would. I don't know. I, cause I don't, I'm, not afraid, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm not afraid of ghosts or nothing like that. And, I mean, this dude, he wants to find Hannibal. It's, like, worse than a ghost. I mean, this is, like, the best place to go at that time of night. I'd do it. I'd do it right now. <laughs> it reminded me of Skyrim. Would... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the Skyrim what, yeah. catacombs. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. a, a great. I'm one of those dudes that would spend the night in a haunted house, like in those movies. Like I'd probably get killed, but <laughs> I would totally do it. I was a kid. I used to be a biggest scaredy cat, but you know, I don't know. Sometime I grew up, and now I'm like the exact opposite. I'll do anything. Like fuck it. 
Show uh, me something. I want to believe. Show yeah, me. Yeah, I'm like, do, do I'll spend a night in you know Lizzie Borden's house. I'll go to O.J. Simpson's house. I'll do it all. I don't care where. I'll be there. I was waiting for one of those dead guys to move. <laughs> like somebody's going to reach out an arm or something. <laughs> Will's going to have a bad hallucination. <laughs> well, okay, so wait, we, we're kind of down there, and Will's, you know, shifting in and out of the shadows. We see um, Hannibal kind of moving forward ahead of Will. And at some point, Will stops and says, Hannibal, I forgive you. And that's a big moment. Because in the finale, he he says, "Could you? Will you forgive me?" Mm-hmm. And it's in that moment that I think the moment that he let Abigail go was the moment he forgave Hannibal for what he did. And I think, he, but I think he actually had to say it for real. Whether Hannibal was ahead of him or not, you know, I'm pretty sure he knew or felt that he was there. But regardless, he had to say those words. And he said them, and I think it was a very cathartic moment. And Hannibal heard him say those words and kept moving. But he also came back. You know, you felt like he said, heard him and then kind of just was like, whatever, and just kind of was like, I'm, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> but then, but then um, Ronaldo shows back up again, and, you know, he and... He keeps popping back in on Will. Just can't let him alone. Can't have him, let him have his peaceful moment. Or whatever. I'm trying and to have a moment here. <laughs> exactly. And uh, again, he says, you need to get out of here. You're going to die. And he admits that, you know, when it comes to Hannibal, when they have when they meet back up again, he, you know, Will says, I'm not sure what side I'm on. I don't, I don't know what side I'm on. I don't know what I'm going to do in that moment. So... You know, he tells, again, he tells Ronaldo, get out of here. Just leave while you can, while you have a life. While you, basically, while you have blood pumping through your veins, you, you better get out of here. And so they kind of part ways. Ronaldo moves ahead, goes around the corner, and we see Hannibal standing right there in the shadows. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, boy, you're dead. <laughs> you are so <laughs> gone. Because like, he's going off in the, into one of these you know, en- entryways into another part of the catacombs. I'm thinking... Hannibal was just going to track him down in like three seconds and just slit his throat. Yeah, I think he was this close from getting a knife in the back of his head or something. Yeah. But it wasn't Ronaldo like his first lover or, you know, that was like his first law enforcement girlfriend. Like, he can't, he can't be like that. Maybe he he's trying to rekindle something. <laughs> Maybe he knows, like, all right. Him. <laughs> he's like, all right, Ronaldo couldn't get me. Will couldn't get me. Maybe he's, you know, he's hoping like you two get the power, you know, Get the, uh, you know, dream team going. He's we'll got get... his graham cracker. <laughs> he doesn't need Oh, him. please. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, you get them two, get Scooby-Doo in the mix? Maybe, <laughs> maybe Hannibal is in trouble. <laughs> it, you know what? I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> um, okay, so what do we have going on after this, Sarah? Do you want to you wanna add on to anything that the, the next portion here? We're pretty, we're pretty close to being done. I'm just stepping back a second. Yeah. Um, when they're doing the autopsy on Abigail, oh, yes, yes. do you know what they put under her eyes? Like I've seen autopsies, and I hadn't seen that done before. I don't know. I really. That looked like um. That one bugged me. I didn't know what it was. When that that, that looked like uh, that stuff that they do like in like 
Mexico and stuff that you put coins over somebody's eyes to make it look like they're alive? Or did you see in Game of Thrones whenever, I don't know, I yeah, guess won't give Game of Thrones spoilers, when characters die, they put those things over their eyes so it looks like, oh, they're alive. Yeah. And I don't know. It looked like, because it, it was like contacts or something. Yeah. It just like slips like on. White contacts. Yeah. Yeah. It, maybe it was something, I think maybe what it is, is it's something to maybe preserve the eyes somehow, maybe. I don't know. Maybe just long enough for the viewing mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Some not really morticians sure. on this podcast, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Let's, uh, let's invite one on. I think they, yeah, they somebody they, write in and tell us. <laughs> They have, I mean, there has to be, right? I mean, there has to be morticians that watch Hannibal. They, lots of blood that, you know, they're fine with that. They shouldn't get grossed out. So, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're a mortician, uh, if you love Hannibal and you want to write in and answer that question as to what that is or provide any thoughts you may have, uh, feel free. It'd be fantastic. Um but anyway, yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about that scene because it was so beautifully done um, where we, yeah, after we learned that Abigail's dead, we kind of jumped to Will, you know, getting, you know, he's laying there, he's being put on a, on a stretcher, he's looking over, Abigail's, you know, dead, she's being put into a body bag, and then we kind of get these sh- dual scenes where while, while Will is having surgery, Abigail is having you know, her blood, you know, taken out of her body, and then she's getting prepped for, you know, viewing and all that stuff that you were just alluding to. And while that's going on, Will's, you know, coming out of surgery, getting stitched up. She's being stitched up in a different way, and it's just this dual moment. What do you th- what do you think of that? Think of that. On the theme of broken hearts, this broke my heart. Like just watching somebody get prepped. It's really hard. I don't know. I just, because it was so, it's so final. We know we're never going to see her again. And just watching them handle her body, it unnerved me. I don't know about you. I think it was harder than watching most deaths on the show. Or even on Dexter. I think the only one is Rita's death. I think Rita's death is the only one that. Spoilers. Not, don't even worry about it. Wow, <laughs> that shit came out. It was like 2009. Yeah. Isn't there? Is there not like a five year warranty? Yeah, there yeah. has to be some etiquette that, like, yeah, come yeah. on, man. Yeah, I can't. I get, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, it's just that. I mean, there's only been a few deaths that I've seen where I've legitimately, yeah, felt in that moment like, wow. But this, you're right. It, it's most shows you see someone die, but they're dead. But you know, it's kind of messy. But this is you're right because. She's going to go into a funeral parlor. She's going to be sitting in a viewing. Family is going to be coming up. Well, I guess she doesn't have much family. So, But, you know, people will be there, and it's just this, this moment of real finality. So it was very difficult and hard to watch because moments ago you just found out she died for real. And it, it kind of was just this double dose of, like, boom and, okay, now that is – that's that's tough. So, yeah, anyway, that was a hard thing to see. But, um, okay, so moving forward, though, we just we just finished. We're almost done here. So, Sarah, what, what happens next after the whole catacombs thing? Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank here. You tell me. <laughs> Wasn't that, like, the end? Wasn't, it was, I thought that was the end. Was Am I crazy? End? I think, was the end him not saying, I forgive you, and then Hannibal, like, lurks back in the shadows? Or? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was trying to think. I, th- I thought there was something else, and I wasn't okay, sure. Okay, I'm missing something. Maybe. But, 
Okay, so okay, so that we get to the end there, and you know, this episode, I will say, I will say this: there was this because we're kind of getting into into the thoughts um, into more detail about this episode. One of the things that I want to bring up is how they're going about their episodes this year and the difference between this year and the last two years. Last week, we got Hannibal and Bedelia. This week, we got Will and Abigail, kind of. Uh, next week, I think we're going to get, I'm assuming, Jack and Alana. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we're getting these episodes that are more centered around a couple of characters. And I think there's a reason for that. Last week, at the end of the episode, it, it ended with the heart sitting in the chapel. This episode, of course, we had to go back in time a bit, and we played catch-up, and it wasn't until like, mid-episode that the heart even entered into the episode at all. And I'm wondering if you think that we're going to have intertwining storylines that shift in a non-linear way in dealing with certain timelines. I feel like there's going to be a play in ter- terms of the timeline structure of this season, just in this first seven episodes of the season, I think we're going to see a lot of shifting timelines from episode to episode, but it's all going to kind of sum up and come together. But I feel like it's going to be a very nonlinear fashion. You know, it sounds like you just described to me was um, this most recent, the fourth season of Arrested Development, which was like Netflix exclusive. Did you catch that, or are you familiar with the, yeah, anything about that? Yeah, I did. I catch. I mean, I watched the whole series. Love it. But yeah, yeah, it sounds to me like it's like you're describing that because that was the same way. But I know that the reason for the rest of development's uh, atypical format for the most recent season was due to like scheduling conflicts and budget conflicts with Netflix. Like you know that was something that was done out of necessity. So I wonder if they do a similar thing. Will things like budget be a reason for it? Because I know that Hannibal, it's always a hard sell for NBC to renew i know that the the fan base in terms of numbers isn't that huge um and so i know that uh you know with each season two and three it was always like will it even get renewed this time we don't know so if they do do something where doo-doo um (laughs) where uh they have like as you said like you know different storylines with different timelines and stuff like i wonder is that a way for them to just be cheaper so they don't gotta do exterior shots in Italy all the time. They could just film something with Jack and Alana next week. And uh, then it, like hop back and forth, have these different stories that will eventually converge. Uh, yeah, you know, I think scheduling with uh, Lawrence Fishburne might act, you know, be an issue. I'm sure that maybe plays a part into it. But I think they maybe were looking to do something a little different to add a different flavor to the show as well. Mm-hmm. And I think with the fates of everybody, I, th- I think if they would have just opened up the the first episode of the season and just kind of revealed the fates of everybody, maybe they were looking to do something a little more personal, personal with, you know, focusing on specific characters for each episode for the first few episodes. That way we get some real in-depth you know, understanding of where they are after the events of last season. Um, you know, kind of because if you really look at this season, in a lot of ways, this is kind of like the pilot 
a new pilot for for the show in a way because we're kind of starting anew. I mean, we need to see the first two seasons, but I think we're seeing another two season arc here, mm-hmm. um, which is what I think the plan is. The first two seasons had an overall arc. The next two seasons are going to have an overall arc, and I think the final two will have an overall arc as well. So. Uh, I think they kind of just decided they wanted to try doing something a little different. And I know that I've heard that this, this season is in terms of the first four episodes already are exceptionally bold in the way they're telling the story. So we'll see, I mean, we'll see how that goes and maybe it's going to be, and maybe it's not, but I do like so far the way they're kind of letting things, some people might think it's a little slow, but I'm fine with them kind of getting everybody back up to track. And then from there, maybe it will be a little quicker. For the rest of the season. So. I wonder, will we return to any sort of case of the week type things? I don't think so. I think those are long gone. I know that they were um, a way to make the network feel comfortable uh-huh. uh, initially because it was a, it's a tough sell, this, this series in and of itself. And it was a way of, of kind of giving, and for fans to of procedurals or people that know or watch any kind of procedural, it already gives them a structure that they could um, feel comfortable with and season two had some of that but it was also deviating from that you know very quickly um, and I think this point forward it's going to be a lot more just that we're going to tell the stories we want to tell and the way we want to tell them and I yeah think, yeah I do and I'm fine with that that's no problem for me um, so let me see here. There's, I have some notes here. Um, I think the special effects are just really brilliant. And now they've been brilliant since the pilot, but I feel like in two two episodes here, including this one, there isn't a ton. But what what we do see is been exceptional so far. I think for for a TV show. What do you guys yeah. think? Yeah, that Stagman thing was super cool looking, man. Super uh, super gross. It looked good. Um, not cheesy effects at all. I like them. Yeah. yeah, it was it was grotesque. It was the most grotesque thing I've ever seen on this show. Nothing's quite disgusted me as much as that. They did it really well. Like it, you could show Mason cutting off his face in full light, and Ooh. that wouldn't wig me out as much as this did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I like. I also like the dreamlike nature of this season. It, it's a very fluid, dreamy feel to the episodes. Um, more so than any other season so far. It, but you know what? It's it's a very unique, it's a unique show with a unique flavor, and I think that's part of what makes it such an exceptional show because there literally is nothing else out on television like this show. Um, it's it, the the acting is top notch. The the color palette is unbelievable. Um, I love I love the color palette for this show. I love the way they the the style choices. Um, I know that in uh, um, interviews, I know Brian Fuller has said that when directors come in, the, like a new director for the first time, the first thing he tells them is, "This is an art. This is an um, this is an independent film. This is an art film. This is what you're shooting. So don't feel like you need to be conventional." And I love that. I love that, that not being conventional is part of the DNA of this show because I think it only really adds to to what it is really great about it is is that unconventionality. 
Yeah, I mean, it's certainly uh, maybe the most unique-looking thing on television currently. I mean, even shows that get awards or get talked about for their um, for their look. I'm thinking, you know, things like on HBO, like Game of Thrones or something. Even that's really conventional in its own way. I mean, the only other thing I can think about that is maybe in the same realm of Hannibal is maybe like the first season of True Detective, like that. Mm. I mean, even similar thematically, it was kind of similar too. But uh, I mean, that was very unique looking, very wonderful just to watch. Yeah. I agree. Uh, but uh, yeah, other things that that get um, get lauded for. Oh, look, the show looks great. Like get Game of Thrones looks great, but yeah, it does look like Lord of the Rings or something. You know, it, <laughs> it looks fantastic. But it's still something you've seen before, something that you can compare to. You can't quite compare the look to Hannibal to anything else, except I just did with True Detective, but don't listen <laughs> to me. There's always something in every episode that blows you away, like the Norman Chapel, that was exquisite. And we saw the um, when Bedelia walked last episode by this giant cathedral, exquisite. There's always something that blows you away every single episode. Well, it's it's you know going back for for now you know two plus seasons uh, whether it's um, Will with you know whatever hallucinations he was having or just whatever dreamlike you know if he was dreaming or having a nightmare I guess is a better word for it just the things that he would see and the way the show would go about it it was very um, artistic um, impressionistic. Uh, it's like it's like a painting. It, it, that's a really good uh, way to describe it. A lot of there's moments from every episode. This feels like an impressionistic painting. Um, that's just you just don't get that other places. It's it's something that I really love the show for because it would be really really easy for them to just say, "All right, fine, we'll just we'll just shoot this like a regular show," but it would be lazy. And, yeah. and that's one thing that I really like. No, they're not lazy. This, the people that do this show, they're not lazy. They strive, I think, for excellence. Um, even with probably a budget that's a fraction of what other major shows out there have, they manage to do more with less. And I find that really fantastic and admirable. Okay. So, um, all right, so what did, give me some thoughts that you guys had. I mean, Sarah, what did, you know, I'm sure you have like uh, eight pages of notes or something there. <laughs> Only three. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Only three. Give me some thoughts that you had um, about this episode that we haven't talked about. Oh, well, it's definitely it's it's really up there on one of my favorite episodes. I don't know if it's a combination of the sentencing that they talk, the way they talk about. Like I've written down like eighteen different lines from this episode alone that I think are just phenomenal. The surroundings like the chapel and and the way they recreated the Botticelli I thought that was just amazing they did it spot on I had so many favorite moments from here from being having my heart broken to being completely grossed out by the broken heart I was completely all over the map from this episode they had me all my emotions up in the air I think they did an excellent job doing that (laughs) What did you? Th- what about you, Travis? Are there any other thoughts that you have about this episode that weren't covered in the recap or anything? I always just wonder, and this is maybe something 
that spans outside of the realm of Hannibal be like, what is the nature of like forgiveness? Will says he forgives Hannibal. I mean, so that just means he's not mad about it. Like, oh, I'm not mad that you stabbed me. I'm not mad that you murder these people. And like, what does that say about Will in terms of his job as an FBI profiler? Uh, do you have to be mad at somebody to do your job like that? Do you have to, I don't, I guess not. Well, you don't have, you don't have to, you could, I don't know. You, maybe you wouldn't want to hang around a person like this, but you, a person who admires this kind of work. But I just wonder, you know, you hear the thing like forgive and forget. And you, then you sometimes hear people, I'm on like online dating platforms. And a lot of times you get girls on there who have attitudes and shit. They're like, yeah, they say stuff like this. Like, uh, and the, trust me, this is going to link back to Hannibal. Um, maybe you won't, uh, but you get girls that say they, they do that fake Marilyn Monroe, Monroe quote, like, you know, if you don't can't handle me at my at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best, right? Because they say things like, "I'm really nice, but I'm also, but I know I know when to be a bitch, right? I can forgive, but I'll never forget." They say stuff like that. Girl, I don't know, like you know, I'm not even, I even, I just started talking to the girl, and I'm already getting attitude from her. Um, boring. Yeah, it's so you get stuff like that. I I'm willing to forgive, but I'll never forget. And so I wonder, like, what does that even mean? This is just philosophical now. Like, what does it even mean? Like, as long as you remember, have you really forgiven him? You know, uh, Will forgives Hannibal for doing this. So what what does that mean to Hannibal? Do, was Hannibal really concerned about Will's feelings? Is that something Hannibal cares about? I don't know. These are just thing, things I have. Because I could, I say things like, I got a buddy. I got a, a buddy whose wife did something I'm not very happy about. I won't even get into it. <laughs> but We can already guess. But... Uh, you know, I, in my head I could say, oh, I forgive her. But then sometimes I see her and I'm like, man, fuck you. I still remember that shit she did. And I'm like, so I'm like, did I really forgive her? What does that even mean? You know, if that emotions are so fluid and you, I, I don't know if these real big epiphanies that you see on TV and movies ever really happen. If there's ever any sort of moment of clarity, does, does Will really mean he forgives him? Will Will, if, so, if Hannibal does it again, is Will not going to feel the same or is he just going to accept it like, well, I already forgave you. I know this is like that scorpion stabbing the frog in the back type shit. Like, well, I knew what to expect. You well, know, I don't know. This reminds me of, um, I had read an article about, do you know who the BTK killer is? Yeah. Do you remember that? Fine, okay. kill. Yes. Um, his daughter wrote a book and an, an article and she was talking about forgiveness in it and about how... She came years later to forgive him, not to forgive him for what he did, but to forgive him so that she could move on with her life. See, and it's like, I don't even know what that means. I guess maybe I'm just like super emotionally immature because it's like, I don't even know. When you forgive somebody, it's like you do it for the other person, I guess. Like, Will says, I forgive you to Hannibal. And it's like, didn't he do that for Hannibal? Like, did he? Well, I don't know. He didn't think Hannibal was there, did he? I think he did think he was there. Yeah, Yeah. So it's like. I don't know. I couldn't imagine me sitting in my room and just being like, man, you know what? I forgive you, Hannibal. All, and I know I'm alone in my room. I, I forgive you, Hannibal. Like, when you forgive someone, don't you do that for the other person's benefit? Like, you let them know, like, hey, we cool. No hard feelings. Well, so well, I don't know what it means to go to the BTK killer and be like, hey, I forgive you. All right, I'm moving on now. Like, it just seems like you're, I don't know. Well, I don't know. My father's not a serial killer, I think. Well, so I, I don't know. I think that forgiveness, yeah, forgiveness is a tricky thing. I think true true forgiveness is exceptionally difficult. Um, I think when you forgive somebody, you do it for a couple of reasons. One, because I think it frees you from having it dominate your life. 
Exactly. Okay, and I think um, that's kind of what he's doing, but I think there's also a way of saying, I can no longer fight with being angry at what you are. Okay? I know what you are. You are Hannibal. You are... This is what you are. You are a killer. This is what you do. I, how can I... It's like, this, like you said, the Scorpion and the Frog is a good example because... In a way, if the scorpion and the frog say we're not in the middle of the ocean, but just having a conversation, even if, say, the scorpion had stung the frog, but the frog didn't die, and, and the frog was really pissed, and maybe later on he came to understand that, how can I be pissed because that's just what the scorpion is? It's his know? nature. It's his nature. So I think what Will is doing is saying, I'm going to forgive you for what you did to me. I can't hold on to this forever, which is you know, letting Abigail go, and also allowing himself to understand that Hannibal is what he is, how can I be this mad at somebody for what they are? I've got to just accept this, this is Hannibal and be done with it, and allow that to just be what it is. And I, I want to I say, because I think there's something here, there's a quote from the show, and it was something that Abigail said. It said, she said, if everything that can happen happens, then you can never really do the wrong thing. Okay? Let me say that again. If everything that, ha if everything that can happen happens, then you can never really do the wrong thing. To me, that's, that's quite a rationalization for pretty much anything that you could ever do. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I think that is the very thing that Hannibal would say. If he could have a conversation with you and he was trying to explain things, he would probably say something like that. And I think that's really the mindset of Will. The Will what Will is coming to understand is what you do is what you do. Who you are is who you are. Okay? And you can't continue to apologize for who and what you are. And that's to me is is why he's forgiving Hannibal is for what he did to him and he's also saying I understand what you are and that's okay with me so but I guess the question still remains what's he going to do about it like what is I think his... that he's going to forgive Hannibal but that doesn't mean he's not going to let Hannibal stay free yes I think yeah because I yeah good I, I was going to say I wonder you know what is Will's sense of Justice. I mean, does he feel an obligation to the, the the people that Hannibal's murdered, their families and whatnot, to seek out justice? Does he feel an obligation to the American government to like, well, I'm getting paid to do this, you know, or could he just let him go? You know, uh, how important? Like, I, I just wonder because I, I mean, I question that kind of stuff myself. Totally not on the same page, but like me, you know, I recently finished student teaching. And there's a lot of stuff about being a teacher that I don't like. I don't like pretending that I care if a kid curses in class. Uh, I don't like pretending that I care if kids are making out. Obviously, I don't want making out in my class. But like, when I see kids making out after school, I don't care. But I have that obligation, according to the state of California, to be responsible. Like, hey, guys, let me see the Holy Ghost between you two. Um, <laughs> you know, or there's even certain things. Now, this sounds really bad, but I'm not afraid to say it. Nobody... 
I don't. I think it, most people feel this way. I, I, there's certain kids that I have that they fail, and sometimes I don't care. Sometimes because I'm, you're supposed to. You're supposed to say like, oh, I, I got to reach everybody. But there's some kids that you're just like, I can't bring it in me to care enough if you fail because I know how you are in class. I know how things are. Um, but so I know like where I stand in terms of like my occupation and what I'm willing to do to to do what I'm supposed to get paid to do. I wonder what's Will's stance on his thing because he's got this whole bro thing with Hannibal uh, if he finds Hannibal will he turn him in uh, or will he will he n- not I, th- I think that in this moment he may not be sh- quite sure exactly what he's going to do but I think ultimately I think we'll I think we'll be torn, but if I had to choose, I would probably say that when it comes down to it, Will is going to realize that even though he can accept Hannibal for who he is, even though he can forgive Hannibal for what he's done, he can't just let Hannibal continue to do. He can accept that that is what Hannibal is and who he is. But doesn't mean he's going to be able to accept Hannibal continuing to do this for the next thirty years. Yeah, I mean, I guess my point with even bringing up the student teaching thing is like, if he does end up doing what he's supposed to do, what would be the reason though? Would it be out of an uh, obligation to, as his job, or would it be some sense of justice he feels that the universe deserves that this guy needs to be put away? Because I mean, same thing, you know, if you think Hannibal's like an, an animal or something, like you know, I can accept uh, it, that my that my neighbor's dogs like to kill cats and stuff, right? We I used to have a cat that we can't let outside anymore because um, the neighbor our neighbor's dogs tear it up, and I can accept that. I mean, I, I sure I can forgive the dogs. That's what dogs do, or these that's what these wild dogs do. But uh, does that? Uh, but if I had the chance, yeah, I'd, I'd shoot those dogs for sure. Like so, I mean, I'm not. I guess that it's like the thing with. Um, putting down like a rabid dog or something like that like would will put down hannibal just because he knows it's best for everybody or would he feel some sort of like oh hannibal i can't do that to my buddy hannibal well i think it's something he would struggle with but i think that's exactly what he would do i think ultimately the greater good because will's not a bad person i mean he has i mean some tendencies and things that are probably closer in nature to hannibal but i think there's too much in him that's not fully in that path that would ultimately force him to realize that even though he enjoys Hannibal's company and that he can be himself around Hannibal, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to pretend. He also knows that Hannibal can't continue to exist, that it's for the greater good of everybody, and that there are there's still loved ones, people that he cares about. If, for instance, next week we learn that Say hypothetically that Alana and Jack are still alive. Okay, they still they're still alive. What if in ten years Hannibal comes back and says, you know what, I'm gonna go clean up the mess I didn't get to, you know, clean up last time. He's gonna know that there are still people he cares about, and he can't just yeah. let them die. And the Hannibal needs to be put away. So, yeah, that's what I think. What do you about you, Sarah? Do you th- what do you think? Oh, I completely agree with what you said. Okay. Totally on board. I, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking back to. Um, um, do you remember last episode where Hannibal's on the train 
and he's folding, he's got that piece of paper, he's folding into a broken heart. And we assume he's leaving the chapel. We know now he didn't leave the chapel. So do you think that image is from a few episodes in the future? Maybe, you know, it's, I tell you what, it could be, there is a possibility though that it could be right after the end of this episode. That's true. It could have been him, like he actually left, left for real and hopped on that train. So it's possible, like, that's what I'm, I mean, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about shifting timelines here. We're seeing scenes that maybe, you know, we'll see it in the first episode, but it's really not until, like, the third or fourth episode that it actually has context. So, but yeah, I, I think that it's probably maybe from, you know, right after the uh, events of this, this episode. So, but that's a good idea. It's a good pickup. I like that. Yeah. I don't know, it just came to my head, like... That just happened, but he didn't actually leave the chapel. We know now, so but I, I'm on board. Probably just left and went and got on the train right after this. Okay, so here's a question: If you guys were to, to rate this episode one out of ten, what would your rating be? I know that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, who? You first, not me. Okay. Um, <laughs> if I if I had to rate this episode, I would give it a. Eight and a half out of ten. I think it's a really good episode. But I think I know what Sarah's rating is probably going to be. If it could go past a ten, I'm assuming it would be, right? It's definitely at least nine and a half or a ten for me. I really love this episode. Okay. Uh, it it really struck me. Okay. All right. What about you, Travis? It's, oh. It's, 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 dude, oh, here we go. You're sweating over there. I, can't. I, I am. <laughs> uh, you know, dude, I'm a... I'm outdo you. you. What'd you say? Eight point five? Yeah. I'm gonna go eight point seven. I'm gonna get oh. even more ar- ar- arbitrary with my <laughs> with my um my decimals. Normally I, I like to do like five. I don't know. Ratings are dumb anyway. But yeah. like yeah. I usually like a five <laughs> thing because then you avoid like because when you rate things on a scale of one to five, like anything under a six, like it's not even worth my fucking time. <laughs> like so, at least with five, I don't know. Well, uh, it's pretty bad when the host has a lowest score. By the way. Dang, you don't like the show enough. Why are you oh, even hosting this right. shit? Dude? You know, I, you know what? Okay, do, you, you know what, Travis? You should just you should do yeah. this podcast. I'm shanghaiing this this podcast right now. It's mine. Now. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently, I just yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm done. Okay, I'm gonna take my headset off. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. Um. <laughs> um no, episode was good. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, always could use more Hannibal. Always, never enough. So. Okay, well, uh, I'll tell him. you what, this, this gives me a good opportunity, because Travis, you're right, um, this is our first conversation, real conversation, we, you and I chatted a little bit uh, last week on online about the series, but, you know, uh-huh. you're sitting and you're typing and stuff, you know, it's, it's a glacial pace, um, so I, I haven't had a chance to really talk to you about this, so since this is the first time, yeah, how much do you enjoy this show through two seasons and two episodes in. Well, I like it a lot. The entire reason I started watching was because of you. Yeah. Back at the end of the Dexter days, you were like, hey, you should watch it and then come on my podcast. Like, the only reason I watched it is for the conversation we're having right now. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I better watch it because I got to talk to him on the podcast. Um, so, uh, no, but I but I really, en- I really enjoy it. Um, I've only ever watched it once through, but I know that I started to watch it once with a buddy of mine 
on like New Year's Eve, this last New Year's Eve, we started like the first two episodes. Um, I do like it. I did enjoy the case of the week stuff. I actually did because that was not what I expected. It was actually maybe it worked to the show's benefit for me because it's not what I expected was the case of the week stuff. Like, oh, Hannibal is a case of the week as procedural. I could get behind this. But then they really gotten away from that. And I know that um, in this season they're bringing in at least one other killer. I don't know how much to say because I don't know about spoilers for your audience or anything. It's it's okay. I mean, we, it, look, we we did the whole season preview podcast. So talk about like Red Dragon dude, uh, Percy Jack. What's his name? Is like, um, not Percy Jackson. Richard. He's got, he's, got some, he's got some girl's name. What is it? Uh, it's a, oh, in Fra- Francis McDormand. Francis oh. Yeah, whatever. Percy Jackson. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, difference. I know that that's, that dude's coming in. So I know somebody else besides Hannibal's getting into the mix. You know, cutting people up. Um, now, but see, then I even wonder about things like, is he going to be in Italy? Are they going to leave Italy? Why would Hannibal leave Italy now? I don't know. Well, okay. I mean, we can do a little bit of this because yeah. Uh, so for everybody out there, um, I'm, I'm hoping that, that if you're listening to this podcast, you've already gone back and listened to the season preview podcast. Um, I, Travis, unfortunately, was still dealing with school at the time and uh, could not be on the season preview podcast. So uh, so we can kind of talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things we mentioned on there. And, and so basically our theory, Sarah, or the theory that Sarah and I have is that at some point Lecter will be caught and be behind bars. Like mid-season, you think? I think mid-season. Yeah. Yes. It's, that'll be seven. a twist. And then we're gonna. I th- the the what I've been hearing, the stuff I've been hearing, rumors possibly is that we're going to get a mid-season time jump by like five years. Well, I know that in the films, um, by the time Red, Dra- no, I get the Red Dragons before Silence of the Lambs, mm. Hannibal's afterwards. I know that by the time Hannibal happens in the films, I'll say. Will Graham has a wife and stuff, and he certainly doesn't have one. He doesn't have anything resembling a, a girlfriend or anything right now. No, no. Yet. No, yet. But yeah. that's the general idea. Yes, we're going to get it. I think we're, that's the theory that we've got going. Um, mid-season time jump. We're going to jump ahead in the future. So that's going to be interesting because that's going to change you know, the whole dynamic of the show, which I'm fine with. I really am. I can't wait to see how they use that to their advantage. Now, isn't there some legal drama going on where, like, the show is not allowed to use Clarice? Um, yes, that's that's the big thing right now. Like, um, MGM owns that character and only that character or something, or whoever own, did the films? They own the Sons of the Lambs, the Rights of the Sons of the Lambs, the book. And so, that, of course, that includes Buffalo Bill and Clarice Starling. And, uh, but, but I do know that uh, Brian Fuller has been trying for the last three years to let, let him well, get MGM to let him use uh, Clarice uh, and Buffalo Bill so that he can adapt the uh, Science of the Lambs storyline. One of the things in the season preview podcast that um, if you, well, the final episode of the season, which we found out, is titled, Sarah, what's it called? The Wrath of the Lamb. The Wrath of the Lamb. Dan, the teasing so, us. So I, I, my ultimate theory on the season preview podcast is that the final thing that we're going to see, the final scene in this, in the, in the entire episode, 
is, you know, the camera is kind of in the cell with Lecter and like close up on his face, but you can see like across his cell to the hallway outside, and you hear the sound of footsteps, footsteps, footsteps getting closer, closer, and we see Clary Starling come into view for the first time. That's my ultimate theory. And if that happens, I imagine that we you'll see her from behind. Or they won't cast her yet. I imagine. Maybe not. Maybe Do you not. remember they did a similar thing with Walking Dead when they introduced Michonne? Yeah. They wanted to yeah. get the fans all pumped, like "Oh shit!" But they didn't show her face because they didn't want to like commit to anybody at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's possible. That really is. So, um, yeah, but that, that's that's what I'm theorizing. Because I, I, I've, I've heard some – Fuller did some comment like a month ago where he said there's going to be something coming up this season that people are going to go crazy for. And that's all he said, and I could allude to the Red Dragon storyline, but I think personally it's alluding to Clarice. I think he got the rights, but they're keeping their lips shut, kind of. So, hopefully. Well, I'd be interested in who they'd get to play Clarice because – it's such an iconic role. It's well, for many crazy. people, it's like, yeah, it's, fuck Will Graham. It's Hannibal and Clarice, ride or die. You know, like yeah. that. I mean, even as far as I know, that Manhunter came out before. Um, is that the film Manhunter? Whatever yeah. that yeah. came out in '86. Yeah, yeah no one gives a shit about that. Yeah, the everyone's first <laughs> big thing, Science of the Lambs. So it's like, yeah, I'm like, who? Will Graham? Who? Whatever. Give me, uh, what's that girl's name? Jodie Foster. Get her on the phone. <laughs> Jody, who's Jodie Foster Jr. right now? I don't know. Oh, I've heard that Jody's been uh, approached to direct some episodes of oh, Hannibal. That that'd be appropriate, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see about that. But but yeah, this I think this season is shaping up to be a fantastic season. So I'm really excited. I, I think uh, I've been hearing things like this is the strongest uh, season of the series so far, kind of talk. But we'll see. We'll see. We're not you know, we're only two episodes in. This 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 could disappoint but i don't think so i I think the people at the top have got too much talent and they're excellent writers so i I think they know what they're doing so oh yeah (laughs) okay so um i'll tell you what before we kind of end this podcast i did get some feedback i got an email from a listener and uh it's a reference to last episode so i'll tell you what why don't we just leap right into the fan feedback portion i'll read this email to you guys give our thoughts and uh ideas towards what they uh, mentioned in the email so i'll just read it right now okay so this is from jennifer fuss and she writes hi i just find your podcast and listen to your review slash talk about the recent episode i did like the manner how you discussed the episode the conversation with your co-host and the insights you both provided the only challenge i had noticed was that your microphone <laughs> may have had way less volume <laughs> than the microphone of your partner yes uh Jennifer, i was turned up <laughs> uh, you know i'm i'm hoping that this is a little better uh i will do i'm gonna do some tinkering if this doesn't work to match it up so but hopefully it's for the better soon um i literally have my microphone way away from my mouth <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She it's had as far a, as it can go. Yeah, she has a way, way from. I'm like, I'm like, you know, uh, an inch and a half away, by the way. So, um, so she made it, uh, it made it difficult at time. At times, difficult to understand. So, I do apologize for anybody that's having some issues. Um, everybody on the other end is saying that I sound fantastic, but for whatever reason, when it comes to the recording, apparently, it's not quite as strong. Um, anyway, what she goes on to say. 
there's been something that occurred to me when you discussed Bedelia's bathing scene. Within the episode, there was the mention of fairy tales and other casts that I listened to pointed towards Hansel and Gretel, with basically Bedelia attempting to leave breadcrumbs towards Hannibal. Given the water symbolic, it somewhat crossed my mind that there might be a reference to The Little Mermaid. could be a bit far-fetched, but I'd like to share anyways. Basically, it would start by Bedelia having to ask Hannibal to help her right her wrongs or at least cover up her murder. Obviously, with strings attached, as one of his conditions appears to be that she has to be his therapist and can't freely speak of his deeds. With the mirror scene catering to classical fairy tale imagery, the get-out condition would have been that she somehow had to convince the police of Hannibal's deeds without being able to speak freely, to not directly go to Will and inform him of the danger he got himself into. It culminated in the scene with Jack Crawford where she did get as close to writing out Hannibal as she's ever been. Given the finale of season two, she obviously failed in her task to get her freedom back and thus had to travel with Hannibal as a final price to pay, being even more silenced, bereft of freedom and under Hannibal's sway. Taking how the fairy tale ends, I would suppose that reaching out to the police by being a blue Carmen San Diego may work, but she'll still be consumed by the sea, well, by Hannibal literally, though at least with the consolation that she could help the police. Well, this might be totally off, as it's ages past that I've watched Signs of the Lambs and haven't seen or read any of the books or movies. Kind regards, Jennifer. So she's alluding to uh, Bedelia and her whole storyline, um, essentially being a play on kind of a mixture between Hansel and Gretel and The Little Mermaid. So uh, what do you guys think of that kind of analogy there? I'm totally on board. I'm glad you caught that. Um, I wanted to bring it up last time, but uh, I totally forgot about it. Um, yeah, there was a lot of little fairy tale um moments in the last episode and she really nailed it on the head on the hammer and um i remember there was also a snow white reference um about how uh snow white the queen wanted to eat her beating heart and the heart was a big theme of the last episode as well so yeah she i'm glad she got that what do you think what do you think travis uh Uh. that theory I don't know if I have much to say about the theory, but in regards to the, there was a line in the email where she said something like, you know, oh, she'd be consumed by the sea or by Hannibal in literal sense. I don't know. Would Hannibal eat her? Would it might now ask, uh, tell me, has Hannibal ever, we haven't really seen him get that close to many people. Does Hannibal eat people he cares about? Would Hannibal eat Will if he could? Hannibal, doesn't he only eat rude people? He hates like, he, you know, he 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 kills people that he thinks he's like better than, and maybe he thinks he's better than Bedelia and, and Will. I don't know, but oh, I don't know if he would eat. I th- her. think that given the events that happened with Will, maybe prior to Will, maybe not. But I think once he's been crossed the way he was with Will, if someone were to ever cross him in a similar way, i.e. Um, you know, Bedelia, if she were to somehow turn on him or set him up to be caught and it didn't work, like it didn't work with, with Will, I think in that case he would take that as exceptionally rude, considering that Bedelia already knows how things went down and what Will did to Hannibal or what 
you know, Will or what Hannibal thinks that Will did um, to turn on him. And I think, yeah, I think in this case, if he felt that she was going to the police or turning on him, I think he would kill her and eat her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't and think he is and he feeding her. Sorry, go ahead. He does, well, and I'm just saying, he, he doesn't, I think he holds her in a fairly high regard, but I don't think it's anything near the way he holds Will in, in a certain regard. Yeah. So. And he oh, has been yes. feeding her oysters and acorns. <laughs> which uh, is a little the not off. T- tastes good, right? Yeah. No? It's interesting. I don't know. I've never eaten a person. So I, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and in the Red Dragon movie, um, I think in the book as well, he talked about when um, Will caught him and he like attacks Will that he says, I'm going to eat your heart. I think I'm going to eat your heart. That was something. Yeah. And so, I think I remember that. It might be like the very beginning of Hannibal. Yeah, when it, it was. Yeah, because I remember when, I think that's when I put it together when I saw in that movie when Hannibal stabbed Edward Norton in the stomach and I was like, yeah. that's like in the show. And I realized he survived. I'm like, lame. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that. But I feel like I don't read the book, so I don't really know. But I feel like I never got the vibe from that movie that Will and Hannibal were as close as they are in the show in like the yeah, movie no. universe. Well, yeah, I mean, this is where I, they took this is where they took liberties with setting this up in such a way that the FBI essentially is sending Will off to a therapist to help deal with his so-called gift. Um, I think it was their way of allowing them to take liberties and kind of form a stronger bond, kind of a central maybe storyline uh, between two characters. And uh, so, yeah, where in, where in the movies, uh, I don't think it was nearly as, as obvious. They're definitely, they definitely amped up that whole bro uh, friendship, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, closeness that, that he and Hannibal share. Yeah. So. Killer husbands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we just we got through fan feedback. Uh, that was the I got one email. Thank you, uh, Jennifer, for sending that in. That was very much appreciated. Uh, so keep sending in uh, feedback, and anyone else who wants to send in feedback, please do. Um, like I said, I I you know I thankfully this week I have Sarah and Travis to talk to, but usually I'm just talking to myself. Uh, not nearly as much fun. Um, and so when I get feedback from other people, it makes it so much more exciting. Um, I I listen to um, the Dissecting Dexter podcast, and Gareth Watkins, who's a, uh, a good friend, uh, fellow podcaster, uh, he really showed me how to do a podcast well. And that includes in making uh, fan feedback the biggest thing on your podcast. And for me, that's the same. You know, send in your feedback if you have an opinion, differing opinion. That's great. Um, I'll read your email list or I'll, you know, put your uh, voicemail on here and uh, certainly give you some feedback. So if you want to do that, it's uh, hungryforhandable at gmail.com. Go ahead and send your emails or your voicemails. Um, just attach an MP3 file to your uh, email and send it on its way. And if you send it in, it will be on the next podcast. So, uh, that looks like it's the end of the of this uh, review recap kind of thing we got going on here. Uh, this has been fantastic. I really thank you guys for coming on here. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, absolutely. 
um, and certainly welcome to come on again. Now, next week, uh, I will not be, unfortunately, I will not be able to do a podcast. I will be on vacation. Lucky um, you. I will be in Virginia Beach. So that's, uh, never been there. You know, going to give it a shot, see how it goes. It's going to be hot, like 90 plus with a real film of a, over 100 degrees. So that's not going to be pleasant anyway. And don't forget to bring a towel. Yeah, and lots, <laughs> and lots of sunscreen, by the way. I'll be coating, I'll be like dumping it on my head and before we go outside. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be good. Um, but I won't be here. Uh, I'll have to, to do something in the next podcast. I'll probably touch on the, the past episode. Uh, whether I do a full recap, I'm not really sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll figure that out when I get back. But um, thank you. Yeah, like I said, coming on here, it's been fantastic. It's a lot more fun talking to other people than just myself. So uh, we'll certainly do it again really soon. So, all right, everyone. I hope you uh, enjoy this episode. And uh, I'll be hungry for more Hannibal here in a couple of weeks. I so surely hope you will, too. I know Sarah and Travis will be. Damn, starving and, already. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, everyone have a good day, good week, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.